Good morning, church. You guys can stay standing while we open up in prayer. But I just want to encourage you, especially as we've come to the end of our 21-day fast, we're breaking it tonight. You know, the Bible says that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. Amen? So I want you to be expecting today that He's going to speak to us and do a work in our lives. We're going to pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we just thank you that your presence is here, that you are moving. You are in this place. We surrender to you now. We thank you that your word never returns void. It sets out what you accomplished it to do. And we pray that you'll speak to us, that none of us will leave you unchanged by your presence. In Jesus' precious name, and all of God's people said, Amen. You guys can take your seats. So, of course, we've had our five nights of um, prayer and praise and worship, and I'm sure a lot of you have been fasting in different ways. I know some uh, some people have been fasting social media and TV, and others have been fasting parts of food, different food groups. Um, But tonight, we are breaking the fast. Um, I want to invite you to come back. It's definitely a double dip Sunday. There's going to be food on sale. If you haven't had meat in 21 days like me, I'm hoping there's meat. Who organized the food? Is there meat? Awesome. So it's going to be good. Amen? Come back tonight. You want to be there. But I'm going to get straight into the message now because if you know me, I can talk. And I know that I only have a little bit of time. Uncle Sol says I must hurry up. So here we go. We're going to start with a picture. It's quite an interesting picture. Okay, this is a picture of a gentleman's bedside table. Okay. Anyone in the room here quite messy? Any honest people who's messy? I'm messy. I must say, my bedside table has never looked quite that colorful. If you take a closer look, you'll see it's quite a controversial bedside table. Okay, we're going to break down what's on that bedside table. Maybe I should start by saying this bedside table was taken, the picture was taken at the scene of a drug bust. Okay, so this gentleman was caught with illegal drugs in his possession. And on the bedside table, you will see a copy of a book by a famous pastor, Pastor Stephen Furtick, on the bedside table. He's a great guy, great pastor, writes awesome books. You'll also see a pamphlet with Jesus on from a local church in his area. You'll see in the corner a copy of um, the Old Testament, sorry, the New Testament. Um, So often churches will give those New Testament Bibles out. And then you will also see um, what appears to be a box of condoms, a cool drink cup, a bong, and then a packet of illegal drugs. Okay, so a colorful bedside table, right? What is going through your mind when you look at that bedside table? What emotions are evoked in you? Just think about it. I'm guessing that a lot of you would have quite negative emotions when you look at that bedside table. You could go, geesh, this guy's a hypocrite. How do you have a Stephen Furtick book and a Bible next to a bong and some drugs? Anyone thought that? You might be going, geesh, like, um, this guy's making a mockery of Christianity. Like, I mean, these are the guys that give Christians a bad name. You might think he's a bit of a snowflake Christian. Maybe you're thinking, gee, she must go to a really superficial church. I'm sure there's a lot of things going through your minds, right? 
What if I said to you, let's approach this gentleman from another angle. Let's go, I wonder what his story is. How did he get there in the first place? Maybe he was on fire for God. Maybe he was plugged into a church. He was serving God. Then something hectic happened in his life and he got mixed up with the wrong crowd and he ended up getting himself into some trouble. Maybe that's his situation. I don't know. Maybe he was brought up in a home where he was never taken to church. He never heard the name of Jesus unless someone was swearing. And then all of a sudden, a co-worker invited him to their church and he went for the first time and this friend gave him a book and a New Testament Bible and he was kind of starting to warm up to this God thing like is this maybe the real deal I don't know but don't you think that if that's a possibility if this gentleman was for the very first time having his heart softened and starting to become open to God he was maybe this close to becoming a miracle is that possible does that excite you because it should excite you Seeing people's lives change, seeing people's lives turn around, becoming a miracle is what should get us up in the morning. Going, this guy's heart's being softened. This guy's, this guy's this close to having his whole life changed. He hasn't got it right yet, but God's doing something. That should make us really, really excited. If you look at the New Testament, this is the kind of guy that Jesus was drawn to. Was he not? Where did you find Jesus? You found him talking to the woman at the well who had had five husbands and was now living with a man she wasn't married to, right? You found Jesus having lunch with Zacchaeus, the corrupt tax collector, who was a total cheat and a fraud. And Jesus was like, no, I've got more for you. You are a miracle waiting to happen, right? Those are the people that Jesus got excited about. Jesus was drawn to the broken, to the hurting, to the confused, and he actively moved towards him. He even says it in the Bible. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Amen? Come on, you and I, we are the church, aren't we? And we are called to carry hope and we're called to carry light into a broken world. The world is broken. The world is messy. But we have hope, right? Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And listen, if you've got a torch and you walk into a bright room, does it make any impact? You won't even notice it. But if you take a torch into a dark room during load shedding, it's going to make a huge impact, right? We're called to be a light in the darkness. Those pictures shouldn't disgust us. They should go, you know what? Jesus can do a miracle. I believe in Jesus' name. This guy's life can be turned around, changed 100% because Jesus can. Our God can. There's nothing that's too hard for our God. The miracle that people need most is Jesus and you and I have the privilege of carrying his presence with us. So we're going to look at the story in Mark chapter 2. It's quite a well-known story. 
To give you a bit of background, Jesus has just returned to Capernaum, which was kind of like his headquarters. He'd kind of gone home. And now he was preaching in his, in his home base, and this house was full of people who wanted to hear Jesus' teaching. So who here goes to a view group? Anyone goes to a view group? Yeah, who loves their view group? Come on, we love our view groups. Anyone ever been to a packed view group where it's just so full? Listen, when Andre and I first got married, we ran um, a young adults view group. And I remember we used to have, quite often, we would have all the chairs taken, the floor space was taken, and people would be sitting up the staircase. And um, it was always fun, those view groups, but Andre had to like give people a chance to speak because everyone wanted to speak. And you know, with young adults, they never know when it's home time, right? And I was, I was working as a doctor in the government, and I had to be in Khrudeskia at 7 a.m., which means I had to park by 20 to 7, and I had to get from Bloberg to Khrudeskia. So they needed to go home because I needed to go to bed. And they didn't take a hint. So like at 10.30, we'd be like, okay, cheers, guys. You must leave. But they were great view groups. Now, I want you guys to picture a view group like that. The house is packed, okay? The building's packed. Everyone's come to view group. They all want to hear Jesus speak. And now we're going to kick off from the word. Mark chapter 2, verse 2 to 7. It says, They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. This was Jesus. Some men came, bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, we've all heard the story, right? If you've grown up in church, you've heard the story. But just think about it. It's actually quite a crazy story. Like, those were some passionate men. Right? I mean, imagine being desperate enough to get your friend to Jesus that you are willing to climb up a roof, carry a paralyzed man, and then dig a hole through someone's roof to get him to Jesus. That's quite extreme, right? That guy was clearly passionate. Those men were passionate about getting their friend to Jesus. We're going to pick the story apart. What's going to be very interesting is that we'll see five types of people in the story that we'll also be able to identify in this church. And I want you guys to listen and say, which type of a person am I? Is that good? You with me? Awesome. Type number one. We see it in the story. We'll see it in this church. There's always going to be someone in need. I guarantee you that there are multiple people in this church building who are in need today. In the story, who was the man in need? It was the paralyzed man. He was in need of getting to Jesus. He was in need of his friends carrying him there because he couldn't get there by himself. He was paralyzed. He needed help. Chris prayed for sick people in church today. I have no doubt that there are people battling illness. I have no doubt that there are people in need. I'm actually in need this morning. I've battled tonsillitis all week. It's not fun when you're trying to fast. And even last night, I was like, Jesus, I need you. I can't preach three times on my own. I need your strength. But thank goodness that the Bible says when, when, when I am weak, you are strong. 
So by God's grace, I can do this. But some of you are struggling with other things. Maybe some of you are battling depression and you're in need of being healed. Your mind is all over the place. Some of you might be facing a loss. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you're grieving or a relationship is broken and you're grieving that relationship. Maybe you're struggling to pay the bills. I don't know. I don't know what you're struggling with. Maybe you're a guy or a girl just like that person in the picture with a Bible and a bong next to your bed and you're caught up in addiction and you need Jesus to set you free. Whatever your need is today, I want to tell you if you are in need, then you are in the very best place to be. Church is the best place to be, whatever your need is. Why? Firstly, because the presence of God is here. And secondly, because in every church, you will find people in category number two, which is people who care. This church is full of people who care. I know that for a fact. I know what goes on behind the scenes. I want to honor Sol and Anita. I love to to rip off Uncle Sol in my sermons. But they are legends. And what they do for people behind behind the scenes is mind-blowing. The amount of lives they've changed, the impact they made. Let's give them a round of applause because they're they so into our people nonstop. They care. If you know them, if you're lucky enough to know them, you know that they care. And you might be sitting in a row and you don't know the person next to you, but they care so much. They care so much about what you are going through. And if you would just tell them, if you would just visit a view group and get to know them, they will pray for you. They will bring you meals. They will look after you. They'll have your back. That's why we say go to a view group. Not because we have nothing else to say, because we know that in a small group, in a circle, you're going to actually be able to have someone to care for you. Come on. The Bible says it, that you know, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. If two or more are gathered, he's there in your midst. You know, we're better together. So go to a few group. Join Growth Track. Get involved. Get plugged in. Use your prayer card so we can pray for you. Don't be needy and not get help. There are people who care. You can just imagine those four friends. They pitch up at this view group with this paralyzed man and they're going, our friend needs Jesus. And they get there and they can't get in the door because it's packed. And they're going, flip, this might not work out. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how long they walked to get there. We don't know if they walked two days or if they walked six hours. We don't know how heavy the guy was that they were carrying, how long they'd been carrying this heavy man. I don't know if he was light or heavy, but I think most human beings are pretty heavy. We don't know how much money it cost them. Did they miss out on work? We don't know the details, but we know that they cared. They cared enough that when they couldn't get in the front door, they were willing to climb up the roof and dig a hole through someone's roof. No matter what, they were going to get their friend to Jesus. I can imagine them talking. We can't get him in. What are we going to do? We're not going back. He needs to see Jesus. This man is paralyzed. The doctors can't help him. Nobody can help him. No amount of money can help him. The only one who can help him is Jesus. I've heard that Jesus raised the dead to life. I've heard that Jesus made the blind see. 
He needs Jesus. We'll do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus. Amen? There are people in this church who care just as much. The third group of people that you will find in the story and that you'll find in every church is people who are preoccupied. Now, I've definitely fallen in this category. If you are busy, 2023 is nuts, the world's crazy. I always like to joke, I'm like, Dory, oh, there's something sparkly. I can get distracted easily. Anyone else? Just me. Leave me hanging. It's okay. But it's easy to get preoccupied, especially when life is so busy. It's so easy to be the person blocking the door to the view group because you're enjoying it so much. You've got your back to the new person who's in need because you're preoccupied. You've joined this awesome group and you've got your buddies and you want to catch up. So you're not, you're not worried about the new person because you, you're focused on your friend, how their week was. You're telling them about your business, how your business is going. You're focusing on your children, but you, you're preoccupied and you don't notice the, the, the paralyzed guy that the four friends are trying to bring in. Anyone else been there? Just me? Too busy. We get into a comfortable, holy huddle. And we get so focused on getting spiritually fed ourselves. I'm taking notes, I'm journaling, I'm listening. We are so busy feeding ourselves, we're getting spiritually fatter and fatter. Eventually, we're spiritually obese. And who knows that obesity is never healthy. And the poor person who really needs some meat, I shouldn't be talking about meat, eh? They can't get any because you're hogging all the spiritual food. You're preoccupied. But it's not about you, hey. And I have to tell myself that often. It's not about you. We get to be Jesus' hands and feet. Those four friends, they said, those people might be blocking the door, but we're going to get to my God. We're going to get to Jesus because my God can heal him. He can save him. He can change him. Nothing is too hard for my God. And they dug a hole. We should never be comfortable with letting our family and friends do life without Jesus. I wouldn't be able to face a day without him. We should go, you need Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. I'm going to invite you as many times as I have to because you are missing out. You need Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four friends, and he saw the paralyzed man, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. That's what Jesus does, right? He forgives us of our sins. We all need forgiveness. I need forgiveness on a daily basis. We all do. I always say this, spend half an hour with me, you'll see how imperfect I am. I need Jesus. Jesus gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness. But the crazy thing is, those four men did not climb up the steps carrying their friend and make a hole in the roof because they wanted forgiveness. What did they want? They wanted healing. Some of you are asking God for something and he's not giving it to you. The thing is, God knows what you need. 
And he's more focused on you getting what you need than he is on you getting what you want. Come on. He knew that that man needed forgiveness because forgiveness is the only thing that gets us to heaven. But God being God, the next thing he does is he gives the man healing. I just want some of you to be encouraged this morning. You are, you've been praying and fasting and you're waiting for your breakthrough and you're saying, when God? I promise you he's going to give you what you need and at the right time he will give you what you want. He's seldom early but he's never late. He's in control. We're going to praise him no matter what. Amen. So Jesus says, I see your faith and your sins are forgiven. You might be saying, how the heck did Jesus see their faith? Faith is invisible. How do you see it? It's actually pretty easy for Jesus to see faith. Faith shows up strong in our actions, right? God sees our faith in our actions every day. He sees the faith of the worship team as every week they pitch up and they bring their talents and they lead us in worship no matter how they're feeling. God sees that and he honors it. That's faith. He honors the people that, that our dream team, that get you parked, the view group leaders who, who prepare and run the view group and make sure that there's coffee for you and tea. He sees it when you wake up every morning and you go through your prayer list and you pray for your friends that don't know Jesus and you pray for your family. God says, I see that. Those actions, those are your faith. I see it and I'll honor you. It doesn't go unnoticed. And he's just waiting to bless you. God loves you. He loves you more than you could even love yourself. He keeps track of the number of hairs on your head. None of us keep track of the number of hairs on our head. Some of us could. Some of us only have a few hairs. Hey, the building ones. But we don't keep track of the number of hairs on our head. God loves you more than you love yourself. Amen? He's got your back. He made you, he created you, and he loves you. You can trust him. The fourth type of person that every church has is the person who is critical. Now, I think we can all be critical. I've been crit- I can be critical, and then I have to tell myself, stop it. Stop being critical. We have a decision. We can see the good or we can see the bad. We can see God's hand in it or we can become negative. Can you imagine when these four friends climbed up somebody else's roof and made a hole? Can you imagine some of the religious people going ballistic? This is not how a Christian acts. You do not dig a hole in somebody else's house. How dare they? It's wrong. I'm saying that, and I wouldn't like someone digging a hole in my roof, but you're with me. Some people, let's, let's try and convert it into 2023 language. The church is too big. I don't want to go to such a big church. It's too big. It's too loud. It's too noisy. Guys, if there are unsafe people in the community, I don't think it's possible for a church to be too big. Are you with me? If there's people who need Jesus, the church can't be too big. But again, why do we tell you to go to Growth Track? Why do we tell you to go to a view group? Because you need community. You need a circle. 
If you get plugged into a view group, it won't matter that there's hundreds of people here on a Sunday because you've got people who know your story, who have your back, who are praying for you, who are encouraging you, who you're accountable to. And then you don't mind being part of something big. Because as long as there are people who don't know Jesus, this church cannot be too big because it's not about us. It's about the lost. It's about emptying out hell and populating heaven. Guys, we've got one life, one chance to make a difference. And then we live with our decisions for an eternity. Come on. Well, there's unsaved people. We are going to invite. We're going to pray. We're going to make this church as big as possible because it's not about us. Amen. Jesus would ignore the critics time and time again. He got criticized by the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He just ignored them. And he went up to the paralyzed man and he said, right, now your sins have been forgiven. The next thing you need to do is you need to get up and walk. And the paralyzed man got up and walked. He left his mat. Jesus was saying, leave your mat. You don't need that anymore. Leave your sin. Leave your shame. Leave your addictions. Get up and walk in my freedom. Walk in my promises. Walk in my peace. Everything that I've come to give you. I didn't come to earth so you could live life with a bong and a Bible next to your bed. I came to earth so you can live in freedom and everything that I want for you, that I've, that I've made possible to you. Leave that stuff behind. Follow me. Which one are you today? Where do you see yourself? In which category? As I mentioned, you might see yourself in many categories, but whatever category you're in, you're still in the best place possible. Amen? Because if you're in need this morning... God's presence is here. And in God's presence, anything can happen. Amen? There's always people in category two who care, who care about your needs, who will have your back, who will pray for you if you fill out that prayer card, who'll join you out of your group, who'll become your friends. Maybe you find yourself preoccupied. Maybe you're preoccupied. That's your biggest problem. Or maybe you're going, I don't know if I'm preoccupied. There's a little trick that will help you know if you're preoccupied or not. If you come to church alone every week, chances are you are preoccupied. Or if you come to church with just your spouse and your kids every week, you are preoccupied. You might be going, what do you mean, Leanne? It's not about, it's about others. And in every season of our lives, we should be going, that's a co-worker who needs to be at church. That's a family member who needs Jesus. That's a mom in my kids' netball team who needs to be in God's house. So I'm not going to be preoccupied. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite. Why? Not because I'm special, because my God can. My God can save anyone. My God can change anyone. My God can soften anyone's hearts. So I'm not going to be preoccupied. It's not about me. I'm going to invite. I'm going to stretch out my hands. I'm going to pray. I'm going to watch God do a miracle because my God can. Amen? 
Maybe you're critical. We can all get there. We're going to practice one easy little word. It's got four letters in it. Stop. Next time you feel critical, you're going to say, stop. Amen? So now the four-letter word. These are good four-letter words. Say Then there's a fifth category. We all fall into the fifth category. The fifth category is that we are all someone who can be changed by the grace of God. Amen? I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You need the grace of God. I need the grace of God. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. Until we get to heaven, we're all on a journey of sanctification. We all need God's grace. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, that means that they've given their life to Jesus, they are a new creation. But it doesn't happen instantly. Instantly we become His righteousness, but the process of becoming more like Jesus takes time, sanctification. But if you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, then we can find freedom. We can find life. We can find hope. We can find our purpose. We don't have to wake up in the morning going, I'm just like this hamster on the little, you know, roundabout just doing the same old thing. No, we're getting up on purpose, living on purpose, for a purpose, called by God, chosen by God. Come on, it should excite you. You should be thinking of the guy in the drug bus picture going, I want to walk across those people's paths. I want to get them into my church. They're so close to being a miracle. They're so close to having their lives changed. You know, when I look at that picture of the guy in the drug bus, it really could have been some of the greatest Christians that I know today. Their story started just like that. There's a guy in our church, this is a true story, number of years ago, he pitched up at the old GP practice where I used to work. He didn't see me, he saw another doctor. And he said, I'm hooked on drugs. I've got little kids and I'm stuck in this addiction. I don't know what to do. I'm going to kill myself the way I'm going. And the doctor said, you know, there's a church on the road called View Church. You should go there. They, they, they can help you. But first, we need to get you into a medical facility to overcome the addiction. And they got him admitted in a facility in the area. But because of circumstances, he could only stay for two nights. Now, if you know anything about drug addiction, it takes more than two nights to overcome the medical withdrawal, okay? But he only had two nights. And he had to get out. He had to get back to his kids. And he says he walked out of that addiction facility and he cried out, God, if you are real, I need you. God, if you are real, you need to heal me now. And he says he cried and he cried. But he was instantly healed. Then he walked straight over from the facility to this church, bumped straight into my husband, Andre. And he cried and he told Andre his story. Andre led him to the Lord. And then Dieter was running a salvation story course in this building. And he walked straight into the salvation story course. A couple of years later, this gentleman and his wife are heroes to Andre and I. They didn't just come to church, they became the church. Because now, 
They're incredible. They've actually set up a sober house to rehabilitate drug addicts where the focus is not just on getting sober. It's on getting them to know Jesus, bringing them to church, getting them into view groups. And this family, they sow their time, their talent, their treasure into this program, into building God's kingdom. These people are living in their home. They don't make money off it. They're doing it all for the glory of God. Those are legends in the faith. They are legends to me. They inspire me. He's a living miracle who was changed by God's grace. Because our God is a miracle-working God. If you remember anything I'm saying today, I want you to remember, our God can. Our God can. Whatever you're going through, our God can help you. He is bigger. He is stronger. He is more powerful. And He's an amazing Savior. He deserves all our worship. He is good. He is faithful. You might be going through such a rough time. You're going, Leanne, I don't see it. I want to tell you just to hang in there. You will get your miracle. You will get your breakthrough. You'll get to spend eternity with Him in heaven. I'm going to ask you guys to stand to your feet with me. And I want to pray for us as the church. And we'll realize that we don't just come to church, that we are the church. That we have the privilege of carrying His presence and His light into a hurt and broken world. We're going to worship Him, but I want to pray for us first. And I want to ask you guys to lift your hands up. This is just a sign of surrender. It's nothing freaky or weird. It's just saying, God, I surrender in this moment. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we surrender. We are saying in 2023, we don't want to just come to church. We want to be the church. Won't you pour out your anointing? Won't you heal us? Won't you bring breakthrough? Won't you light a fire inside of us? All for your glory. You are a good God. You are a powerful God. And right now we choose to worship you. We love you. You are everything we need. We love you, Jesus.
we stay in this attitude of worship with every head bowed out of respect. You know, you can go to church, you can come to church, but actually not know Jesus personally. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't settle for that. You can get to know Him personally. You can call on His name when you're having a bad day and He'll be there right with you. His Word says He holds you by the right hand. You're forgiven and His grace will change your life, but you've got to get to know Him. You've got to have a relationship with Him. He wants to walk with you every day. He adores you. He's come to give you freedom. So with every head bowed out of respect, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus, but you know you need to get into one, or maybe you were a long time ago, but you've fallen away and you know you need to recommit. With every head bowed out of respect, I'm gonna count to three and ask you to make the best decision of your life and dedicate your life to Jesus. It was the best decision I ever made. I want you to be bold and put your hand up when I count to three. One, God so loved the world. Two, that He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can put your hand up if you want to give your life to Jesus. Just stick it up so I can see it. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's amazing. Anyone else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Best decision you will ever make. Just stick it up boldly so I can see it. You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I see those two hands. That's awesome. Come on. The best decision you can ever make. You were born on purpose for a purpose. You were created by a God who loves you. I don't want anyone else to miss out. Just stick your hand up so I can see it. See that hand. That's awesome. Okay, church, we are a church family. We see that hand at the back. We're going to pray together as a family. Is that good? Because we are in this together. We're going to pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. Today, I ask you to be Lord of my life, to forgive me and to change me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to walk with you every day. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care about me. And your word says that from now on, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. The whole of heaven has a party when anyone prays that prayer. And I want to remind you guys, we say it a lot, but if you prayed that prayer, It's like being in a baseball game. You don't hit a home run and then stop at first base. You run all the bases. Well, you hit a spiritual home run. Don't stop at first base. Fill out a prayer card. Go and speak to someone. We have a prayer room when that door is. Someone would love to just pray with you or talk to you if you have questions. Join a view group. Do growth track. Run all the bases. Amen? Just a reminder that we are breaking fast tonight. There will be food on sale. There'll be some meat. You want to double dip? We would love to see you. Have an amazing week. I'm going to ask the worship team to sing us out. Cheers, guys.